It is going. Hey. <laughs> Yay, Cassie. Thank you. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. It's an honor. I'm actually blown away that you invited me. Like I've watched all the previous podcasts and you've had an amazing lineup so far. So you are one of them. Me. You thank are one you. of them. I think you do some really special stuff. I really, I've noticed on Instagram. So I first saw you through Instagram, right? You maybe, right. okay. And I really so, liked what you were posting. Thanks. I actually just started all this like back in January and you were one of my first friends. So <laughs> it's awesome to be doing this. So. Um, you are in um, Fayetteville, right? Did I have that right? Yes. Okay. Um, what, tell me what is, what is Fayetteville like? I've never been there. So I'm from North Carolina. Um, originally I am from Wilmington, um, but I spent my younger years in the mountains. Um, and I met my husband in Wilmington after I moved back there when I was a little older. Um, he is from Fayetteville because everyone automatically associates, oh, you're from Fayetteville. You're married to someone in the military. No, my husband is actually from here. So we moved back here after we had our kids and yeah, um, big military town. <laughs> you were the only person when I did the Instagram poll about like, where would your ideal place be to live in the U.S.? You said the Great Smokies, which was like just right, a beautiful description too. Right. That's where I'm from. I'm, well, that's where I, part of my family is from. And it is, it is so gorgeous up there. And interesting thing for me is city life is overwhelming it just is there's people everywhere you go and when I go back home I feel refreshed there's nothing but trees and wildlife and beautiful rivers and I go home and I just feel better it sounds so, so everyone's oh How yeah often do you go back I go back at least once a year I try okay. to go back at least once a year yeah. okay um when did you first realize you were an overthinker um I think I've always known I was an overthinker, but it wasn't until I was about 19 that I was diagnosed for the first time. And the first time, so I'm a special kind of overthinker. (laughs) Most people think, oh, you have anxiety. No, I have PTSD, Mm panic disorder, general anxiety, and OCD. So I am like the whole anxiety package. Um, does it feel, do those anxieties feel different? Are you like, oh, this is the GAD, this is the OCD, this is the, can you feel that? Or like, is it just a mush? Mostly I deal with general anxiety because that is with me all the time. But then there are times where like, I wrote about this on my blog. I woke up one night out of a dead sleep, having a panic attack after a nightmare. And I knew right then, this is from my PTSD. This is what this is. Um, there are other times because I have OCD that I will become obsessed with something and I'll catch myself having to check what it is that I'm worried about for that feeling to go away. And then I'll get in that habit and then I'm like, okay, this is OCD and I have to stop. Like I have to break this cycle for myself to get over this. So yeah, I can tell the difference, but Sometimes they blend together a little bit. Like I don't really notice because I'm anxious all the time. It's hard to differentiate sometimes. I hear yeah. you. Um, I I I applaud you for for writing about it and for just being really thoughtful of how you share your story. 
I mean, I, I see a lot of bloggers, but I, I really like, I, I just like your tone. I, how did it, how did you decide to start writing? So I was the kid in elementary school, middle school, high school that everybody wanted to pair up with for writing assignments because they knew that I was going to get an A. Um, and from that, um, I started a blog probably around 2008 and it was a genealogy blog. Mm. Um, I'm very big into genealogy. It's one of my hobbies. Um, and that did really, really well. And then, um, after that I became a web manager for a e-cig company out of Charlotte. So I got to work remotely. It was really cool. And I wrote for them and some of my articles were really popular. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So after that, I, my anxiety got really bad. Mm. And um, so I was like, well, was it anything in particular? Was it like work stuff or what was it? Work was really overwhelming. Um, at the time I was working not only for them, but I also owned an e-liquid line. Um, and then I homeschooled my daughters. I've been doing that for six years now. Um, so it was just a like lot. On top of your work. On top of my work. And then... My, one of the people I worked with was a little narcissistic and they kind of would put things on you and they were very emotionally draining. Um, and when it hit that point, I just couldn't take it anymore. I was like, I'm done. Um, my husband has a good job. I was like, you know, I'm going to take some time off and figure out what I want to do. And as I started healing, I was like, I started looking for websites. And I heard Jordan talk about this too, where when he started looking up what was going on, it was all negative. Um, Me too. Me too. I say that all the time. I'm like, I didn't learn that I had generalized anxiety disorder until I was 40. It was like the week before I turned 40. And then I was like, okay, what does this mean? Why didn't I know this? And I realized it was because everything was so negative. Like, even if somebody had mentioned it, I wouldn't have like understood. Right. So, and I was like, no one's writing about this in a way that I want to learn about it in. Like everything was either over analytical, it was all informational, or it was people who were kind of in the throes of just coming to grips with what was going on with them. And for me, I'm kind of past that now. Now I'm like, okay, I have anxiety. This is, I know it's going to get better, but it's probably never going to go completely away. This is something that is just with me. It's always been with me. So I want to know how are people dealing with that? Like I have PTSD. How are people dealing with their nightmares at night? How are they getting sleep? How are they, you know, dealing with going shopping? How are they homeschooling their kids? And none of the sites that I was reading were talking about these kind of daily things that people who are overthinkers go through. So I was like, I love that. By the way, I love what you're saying. I mean, this is just such an example of why I notice your work and I am tuned into it because I could not agree with you more. When I first looked, I was like, all of this is so academic and it's so generalized and it's very like, I agree. It's not situational. I'm really interested in situational and I'm interested in like, lots of specifics, knowing that everyone's specifics are totally different. Right. And, and I actually think that it helps because now that I'm in the mental health community and I see what other people are putting out there, I'm seeing that there are other people who are talking about what I'm talking about. It just wasn't easy for me to find when I was looking for it. You know, Google automatically ranks, you know, 
Healthline and all these right. different sites first, and we all get kind of pushed to the bottom. And whereas those sites are wonderful resources, it doesn't really touch you on a personal level. And for someone who's like us, I don't know about you, but I often have a hard time talking to others about what I'm going through. I can write it all day long, but sitting down and having a meaningful conversation about it, that's a little different. So for me, finding a website that could do that is amazing. So I'm hoping... Yes, yes, yes. Why is it so hard to talk about? I mean, I'm like, actually, my job right now is to work on emotion mapping. I am like literally trying to figure out how we do these things. I'm lucky enough to get to do that at work. And I have such a hard time understanding what I'm feeling. Like, I don't know if it's the anxiety has like pushed my emotions away from me, but I, I, I'm like trying to uncover like, wait, what am I? It's, it's very hard for me to talk about. I just actually don't often know. Right. And I think a lot of people don't. Um, I know for me, when I was diagnosed with anxiety the first time, I'm from the South and there's, the South is very cultural and we are very conservative and people don't open up about these types of things. So when I was first diagnosed, that bothered me. Like it meant that I was so much different from the people who were around me. And so it didn't get talked about. And I went to counseling for a little while, but Talk therapy, really, that kind of setup was just not for me. The more oh I talked about yes, it. Yes, yes, that is more. another thing. I'm like, this is me talking a ton about this is triggering this, which I didn't even realize. Right. The more upset I would become. So that didn't work. So then I was like, years later, it started flaring up again. And I was like, okay, something's got to give. So I went on medication. And Medication can be great if you find the one that's right for you. But for me, I'm very highly sensitive and not just emotionally and mentally, but my body is like when I took a medication, it was like every single time, even small, tiny doses, I wasn't able to sleep. I got TMJ one time. Um, So that didn't work for me either. Um, So I don't think people realize that there's not a cure in the way that, you know, anxiety is not a infection. You don't take medicine and it just go away. You don't go to therapy and talk it out and all of a sudden it's done. Really, it requires this huge lifestyle change for you to figure out what works for you. And it all, yes. And it takes a lot of experimentation. Like that's what used to bug me so much about medicine is people be like, well, we don't know why don't you try this med? So I had horrible migraines all my life. I went on this medication called Topamax. It kind of dulled everything. It's a really crazy med. Um, And it it had so many terrible side effects, but I didn't want to go off of it because it turns out I actually needed medicine, which I'm now on Lexapro and Wellbutrin, which is good. But whenever I would talk about medicine, people were like, well, you're just going to have to try a bunch. And I'm like, what is this science? Like, I have to like just go through all of it and it just yeah I take um I do take Xanax I've tried literally every medication under the sun and it always ends up kind of the same way and I'm so I'm in this like special position where I have all of these mental disorders and what's supposed to help me usually gives me side effects that are 
so awful that I would rather just be an anxious mess. And that is terrible. Like there's got to be a better way. So for me, changing my lifestyle, I cut out caffeine. I try to go for a walk every day. These kinds of things help me so much more than the medication does. Now that's not saying that I don't take medicine. I took a Xanax before we started this call. So sorry. I hate, okay. I hate the idea of this, like, adding to it. I'm always like, no, the thing I want Beautiful Voyager to be is, like, a relaxing, like, I want it to be a relaxing experience yeah. for everyone involved, but I know, like, you know, some, even just, this is, can be stressful. I told my husband, I was like, she always asks what your biggest win is. And for me, that is right now. This is like extreme exposure therapy for me. This okay. is a big deal. Like, you follow me on Instagram, so you know there's not a bunch of selfies on there. I'm not like talking to my followers and it's not because I don't want to. It's just because being on camera and talking to people and knowing that people are going to be able to see that forever, that is a big trigger for me. So this, this is great. Like hopefully this helps me break out of that. Well, you look beautiful, first of all. And secondly, Um, you are so good at talking about these things. Like it, it is very rare. And I, I assume it's rare because it is so stressful. I assume like a lot of people in the past who had different mental challenges and struggles just never wanted to do this because it's hard. It is like the hard thing to do. Right. That's, and that goes back to what I was saying before, like where I'm from, people don't talk about these things. Like my family, my grandmother, she had anxiety since I can remember. Um, and she would, every once in a while, she would talk about her family and she called them warriors. And I read that, I, I, I read that on your, you, and I was like, there it is. Yeah. I, I thought about that recently and it made me feel so good because all of a sudden I was like, you know, I'm not any different than any of my family. They're probably all the same way. We just don't talk about it. We don't right. talk about how we're handling it or what's going on, but there was this connection and that made me feel awesome to know that. How so. have they responded to your writing about this stuff? I, hey guys, if you see this, um, oh I gosh. haven't told them. Oh, um, okay. We love you family. We yeah, love your family. I do. I love them. I have an incredible <laughs> family. Both sides of my family is amazing, but I haven't, I haven't been like, Hey, guess what I'm doing? I, so they don't I know you even them. have the blog or anything. No. Okay. No, and by the way, just if anyone's watching this, this will be in like all the notes and everything, but it's cozy in Carolina. I, I came up with the idea because I'm a huge fan of Heidi and that's kind of one of the tools that I use to help me get yes. better is I read the little book of Heidi and I was like, wow, the Nordics really have down God, yes. how to take care of yourself mentally. Like, so I started doing these little things every day. Like, how do I make this situation more comfortable? And I've been doing that now for well over a year. Like right now I have like a cozy knitted blanket on my lap. I have pillows behind me. Like I do this in every situation, <laughs> I, exactly every situation I find myself in. And it really does help. Is that amazing? What do you have any idea why it helps? It does. I mean, I you know. Yeah, why, it why really does. I, it could I mean, be self care. It could be, you know, this is weird. But I I used to um, I have this like weird thing in on the spur of my heel. It's like almost like a heel spur, and I all shoes like kind of trigger it a little bit. And so when I would take hikes, at the end of the hike, my heel would always hurt. 
And no joke, it wasn't until like two years ago that I was like, you got to tape your heels and wear two, two, um, two socks, two pairs of socks. And the amazing thing about that was like, now that I know how to do it, I know how to take care of myself. Like I do it, I can hike, it doesn't hurt. And it's just so sad that you go through so much time not understanding how to comfort yourself, you know? Right. And this is a whole group of people who their whole lifestyle is based on comforting themselves. Yes. And to me, that's just so the polar opposite of what we are like here in America. We are always on the go. We're always super busy. Like me, when I was working two jobs and homeschooling, that was just too much. And I should have known that is too much, but I didn't. I just did it anyway. Was it the perfectionism? I think it's partly perfectionism, but I think it's also this need to succeed. I think we all have this need to succeed or prove ourselves. So we tend to go overboard. How does Um, that come out as a parent for you? Actually, I think before I kind of pushed my kids, I, I know that when we first started homeschooling, um, I got my kids out of public school. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like this is not the kind of lifestyle I want for them. They would come home and have hours worth of homework Mm. and it was just too much. So I pulled them out and here's the bad part. I pulled them out and I test them to see where they're at. And according to common core standards, they were behind. So after pulling them out of school, because I felt like it was just too much, no second grader should have to do two or three hours worth of homework. I pulled them out, find this out. And then I cram all of the stuff that they weren't where they were supposed to be at on top of the school year that they were in. So at the end of that year, all of us were miserable. And I was like, you know, this was wrong. This was not the way to go about this. And so today I try to do the same thing with them that I do with myself. Like when we do school, I make sure that they know, Hey, do some yoga. If you get stressed, take some time out, go outside, start reading, play a video game. If you want to breathe, come back and start again. Like you don't have to push yourself to the point that you are unhappy or that you feel overwhelmed or that this is stressful. And our homeschool is, I feel so bad for all the parents who are like homeschooling their kids for the first time right now. And it's not really homeschool, but it's school at home. And they don't know, like, there, I'm sure that there are many parents who are just like me. You know, you don't have to push them to the point where it breaks them or breaks you. You're allowed to slow down and take this in stride. And so for us now, homeschool is calm and it's cozy and wow. it's happy. And Haiga, hi, the Haiga school. Yeah, it took a long time to get where we're at now, but I think now it's it's incredible. So hopefully me trying to heal is making me a better parent. I feel like it's making me a better parent. It sounds like it. I mean, it sounds like it. It sounds like you're going easier on yourself is helping teach those skills to your kids. Right. And I have super cute names, by the way. Your kids are, wait, Bug and Belle? That's that's what I call them, actually. Um, My oldest is Elena and my... My youngest is, are you ready for this? Her name is California. There you go. There you go. Because you love California? Like, how, how, how'd you do that? Oh, 
Okay, here's another surprising <laughs> one. So me, me and my husband, um, one of the first things that we realized that we had in common is we love, both love Tupac. So wow, Callie. I did not named, see that coming. Yeah, Callie is named after the song "California Love." There you go. Wow, um, that's amazing. Does your husband? Is your husband? Um, is he a beautiful voyager? Does he have like overthinking no, stuff? He does not. My husband is like the picture, like just mm-hmm. he is the perfect image of mental health. I'm so and happy for you. By the way, mine he, too. I, I he, we're so lucky. He is so amazing, and he is my rock. But sometimes he does not understand what I'm going through. Right. It's hard. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he wants to, but he just doesn't. And being married to someone who is perfectly mental, mentally healthy is, it can be inspiring, but it can also be a little draining. Mm. You know what I mean? Because let's be honest, when you suffer from severe anxiety, there are days where you don't get dressed. Mm-hmm. There are days when the cleaning doesn't get done. There are days when, you know, you start drinking at 11, <laughs> you know, like, you know, it happens. It happens. And for him, he he doesn't understand. And I think that um, over the years as I've started to heal and like I've started to actually talk about what's going on That's with huge. me, I think that he's finally starting to understand like when I get flustered and I need to go sit quietly, I think he finally gets it. And, you know, but that all comes from talking about it. Like we've been together for 20 years. I've only started talking about what's going on with me for the past three or four. I'm so so happy you are talking about it. My, um, I have been married for 13 years and I feel like my my diagnosis was the greatest thing that could have happened for our relationship. He's like, oh, that's why. Ah, all that makes sense. And since then, as I've learned, he's also been learning to the point where he can spot just from a tone of voice or a look. He's like, is this one of those moments? Like, go take a break. How are you doing? Just he's gotten really good at that. But I really feel for anyone who might happen to be listening to this who is early on in a relationship or early on in their own understanding of their own anxiety, because I think it's really hard on relationships. Definitely. When I, so I was diagnosed with PTSD and panic disorder when we were 19. He and I had only been together for a few months. And I can remember times when we were dating, when I would start having panic attacks. And back then, my panic attacks were bad. Mm. I don't suffer with them as much anymore. Um, But I can remember, like, one time I was at work, and I called him crying. And I was like, I cannot be here. I have to go. And he came and picked me up. And he drove me around for two hours with the windows down, not speaking, just listening to the radio. And I think for him, like seeing me hyperventilate and not knowing what to do, that was the only thing he could think of was, let's just try to take your mind. By the way, probably the perfect thing too. Right. And right. And it would work like, and I can remember we did that several times, but then my panic became general anxiety. And that's not something that is easy for someone to be like, okay, hey, let's, let's just try to get you out of this mindset. This is like, you're constantly experiencing anxiety and inflamed. It's like, you're always like, your nervous system is always inflamed. 
Right. And he had no idea how to deal with that. So I think that once not only we found out what was going on, but once I started telling him what was going on in my mind, I think that helped a lot. Does he read? Does he read what you write? I don't know. I know. I, mean, I, I don't. My husband him. reads like some of it. He reads the newsletter, I, but yeah, I, I send them to him, but I don't know if he ever actually like reads them, <laughs> you know, like, and if he doesn't, that's cool. I'm not upset. Like, I know, I, I know. I talk about this stuff all the time. So he probably gets <laughs> sick of hearing it anyway. Yeah. What is your dream for your work on mental health? Like, wh- what? where would you like it to go? I would like... this. <laughs> See, once again, I'm pulling from Jordan here. Like, for me personally, I don't want to be all eyes on me. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, Yes, I, I, of course. Are you kidding it, me? I'm a producer. <laughs> like, am I wanting to be in front of the camera? Mm. When I started The Beautiful Voyager, I never wanted to be front of in front of it but but what I realized is people really want to focus on a human like I've like begrudgingly accepted it like fine they want to hear somebody's story I am happy to be that person but really I want to bring all these other stories and all these other insights like right so I want Cozy and Carolina to get big I want it to have as much attention as some of the lifestyle blogs that I absolutely adore you know there's Caitlin Covington she is amazing or um Pretty in the Pines like I am obsessed with the like I've been reading these people for years and I would hope that out there there's enough people who are like hey I need to be taking care of me I don't want to just talk about beauty I don't want to just talk about you know, setting the house up. Like I want there to be something more to it. I hope they find their way to Cozy and Carolina. But if they don't, then, you know, just writing it all out is therapeutic enough for me that it's helping me get to where I want to be. That's amazing. Bravo. Um, What are, do you have other favorite people in the mental health space? Like you have other stuff you read or how how do you get thoughts about this stuff? So, I love Instagram. Instagram is um, like the mental health community on Instagram is phenomenal. And I never expected that because, and I believe that I said this to you before, um, I'm like used to love Facebook, but I can't use it anymore. I just can't. And it's not because it's, that's nothing against Facebook or, or people who use it. It's just that Facebook tends to bring out the worst in people. It's like, we say things, awful things to people we love. I know people who don't know, um, all in the name of being argumentative. And for me, that is, that is bad. Like that triggers my anxiety and I just can't do it. So when I very first started my Instagram account, I was terrified (laughs) that, um, I was going to start posting, you know, these things and that I was going to be attacked or that someone was going to have something negative to say. And I wasn't met with that at all. So Instagram is definitely one of my favorite places to go. Um, and there are some amazing accounts out there. Um, Gal with Anxiety is Yeah, I love phenomenal. that one too. I need to track um, her down too. That's, she does a, such good work too. She's amazing. Um, what is it? Um, something about kindness. Oh, I can't remember her name. 
I'll send it to you though. Yeah. Um, you're going to love her. Oh, I think it's um, speak ca- or um, kindness loudly or kindness out loud. Um, she is bubbly and happy and like everything that she posts is just so uplifting and inspiring. And I absolutely adore, like adore her account. I've been following her for months too. Um, so there's a lot of people out there who are spreading like they're talking about what's going on. They're not being overly negative. They're not hiding the bad, but it's also positive. That's like, what I was exactly, that is exactly what I was going to say. They're real. They're being super real and not glossing over stuff, but they're positive. And I think that's an amazing combination. Yes. Um, what, um, is there any topic, you know, I always like to give like a moment in this to say, is there any topic that you want to talk about that you haven't like gotten to talk about? I was scrolling through Instagram the other day and this very rarely happens, but I found this meme and it just made me feel some kind of way and it was not good. And it was basically a meme that said that people who suffer from anxiety and depression don't have it as bad as people who suffer from schizophrenia. And to me, that is bad in two different ways. Um, Well, one way. Minimize the comparison there is completely awful. It's like comparing apples to oranges. It's Mm -hmm. not something that you can really do. Um, But trivializing what people with anxiety and depression go through um, isn't normalizing those diseases. It's minimizing it, and minimizing that can be dangerous territory. Um, So my my counter response to that was, you know if we look at depression, there's such a thing as major depression and people who suffer from major depression can experience psychosis. Mm -hmm. To me, that is severe. Like that is something that is really, really scary. Um, and then when you look at anxiety, people who suffer from anxiety can, can dissociate. Um, I disassociated for a whole year and I experienced depersonalization and derealization. And I had no idea what was going on. And I was so scared to tell anyone because I thought I would be institutionalized. I didn't know that this was normal, but I felt like I was outside of my body. I didn't feel like anything was real. It was like I was living in a movie. I thought every time I went to sleep, I was scared to close my eyes, scared that when I woke up, the movie wouldn't start again. Mm. And that is a very real thing that happens to people who are anxious. So when you minimize that, you're saying, oh, well, these serious symptoms, they're not that big of a deal. Well, that's not true. Those are, that's a really big deal. And anyone who lives with anxiety can experience something like that. So let's not compare, especially in the middle, especially in our own community, we should be supporting each other. We should not be you know, dragging somebody down because you think that this disorder or this illness is so much worse than another. That's because that's not true. You're invalidating someone else's experience and that's totally not okay. I I completely agree with you. I also think there's this human desire to sort things into buckets. Like this thing is really scary. Schizophrenia is really scary. Bipolar is somewhat scary. Anxiety and depression is not as scary. And it's like all of, right. like you said, like all of these things are need to be demystified, first of all. 
Like, yeah. you know, to, to, to think like, oh, we're going to put something really intense over here. Like, what does it actually mean? Like, let's unpack it. The same way we need to unpack anxiety and depression and understand there is a spectrum. There is such a spectrum. And right. try to simplify it. You know, I see so much. I, I, I feel like you might be able to relate to this. Like, once you're aware of your own cognitive distortions and your own thinking and like challenges in your own thinking it's hard not to see how like society in general is becoming very black and white and thinking like I have like pushed myself against black and white thinking for many years now. And, um, and it's hard to see it happen, see cognitive distortions in our society. It's frustrating, really frustrating. Right. Right. People don't seem to understand. Like I've had so many people say, like I've told them like they'll notice I'm quiet or that I'm, I'm off. And I'll confide in them. I'll be like, you know, it's okay. I, I have anxiety. And they're like, oh, that's no big deal. And I'm like. We haven't no talked about deal. what it means. Yeah. Like, right. Like yeah, are you my sure? whole life <laughs> yeah. is constructed around the fact that I have anxiety. Like it's, it's not like no big deal. It is right. a huge deal. Like it affects my family. It affects me. Like it affects where our relationship is going to go as friends. Like it affects everything. It is a very huge deal. I love that point. It affects where our relationship will go as friends. That's such a good point. Yeah, It really does. It affects every relationship in our lives. Right. It totally does. And luckily I have been blessed with incredible friends. Like I have friends that I've had for well over a decade and they are truly supportive and wonderful. And I really can see like, if you are going going through this kind of thing without that kind of support, this would be so much harder than it is now. So yeah, I think that having something like this definitely affects your friendships and who your friends are going to be. Do you, do any of your friends also have anxiety or any actually, of any of these elements? Actually, yes. Three of my closest friends have anxiety. None of them are, we're all different. Um, most of them just suffer from generalized anxiety. None of them have quite, so they kind of understand for me, like they know sometimes I'm going to be a little weird. Sometimes I might call and cancel at the last minute and they understand that it doesn't mean that I don't love them. It doesn't mean that, you know, tomorrow I might not feel differently. So, but yeah, they, they go through it too. Do you have physical symptoms? Like what, what are some of your physical symptoms? Oh yeah. So I have TMJ. Don't ask me to pronounce the actual. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah. Don't ask me to pronounce that. Um, so basically my jaw will lock. Um, that is not fun. It's from clenching your teeth, like being tense and clenching your teeth. Um, I have broke out in full body hives, um, which was horrifying because I didn't even know what was happening. Right. Um, my husband walked in and he looked at me and he was like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, that automatically made me panic. Like I had yeah, no course. idea. Then it just like and, ramps up. Yeah. He had just gotten home from work and I was like, what? And he was like, baby, you are covered in hives. And I was like, no way. I got up, looked in the bathroom, covered. Like I looked like one giant hive. I had to go to the hospital. It was horrifying. So, um, I've had stomach problems, headaches, like you name it. I've probably had it at some point. And people always think, you know, if you have anxiety, that's something in your mind. Well, you it's know, your mind experience. is part of your body. And it your is such a body, body experience. Do those right. symptoms help you 
anticipate, like when you start feeling it and you're like, okay, I've got to, I got to take a break. I got to, does it help you do the, do some self-care things or? Yes. But usually when they happen, um, it's brought on by something I couldn't anticipate happening. Mm. You know, like, um, my father died, um, back in 2009, um, and the way we lost him was pretty traumatic. He was a motorcycle accident. Um, he was in coma. Like this was pretty bad. Um, and for, I want to say for a good year after he passed away, I steadily lost weight. It's not that I wasn't eating, but my stomach was just, I could not keep anything in. I could not keep anything down. Like it was not happening. So I think there was a touch of IBS going on yeah. right there. And it was all because of my nerves. It was just too much stress for me. And that's not something that you can prepare for, you know? So right. usually when those kind of things happen, it's something that is majorly traumatic happens. Yeah. And then yeah. now I would probably have dealt with it a little bit better because I understand what's going on with me better. Um, but back then I didn't. So sometimes it's easy. It's easier to go, okay, this means I need to slow down. I need to take a few days off or we need to get out of the house or or whatever. But sometimes it's not that easy because these things pop up and, you know, life is life. You can't control life. Things are going to happen. So um, sometimes you control it. Sometimes you can't. What do you wish, I mean, if you could say one thing to the entire world about overthinking or anxiety, what, what would it be? Like, what do you wish people knew that they don't seem to know? I think that mental disorders and mental illness is so much more common than we realize. You know, when you look at the statistics, people say, oh, you know, there's 18% of Americans suffer from anxiety. I'm not sure if that's exactly correct. I think it's pretty close. Um, you think, oh, well, that's not that many. You know what I mean? But those are only the people who've been diagnosed. Right, right, right. Um, I even watch my husband, and he, whereas he is very, very, very mentally healthy, there are times when I notice he starts doing things like me. He'll it's funny. Get, I know exactly what you mean. I've spotted it in in everyone now, and everyone I'm like, oh, yeah. that's like a that's where that's one of those things like me. Yeah, yeah. I, I can no, like I can notice it. He's nervous right now, or he's projecting right yeah. now, or you know, I can spot these things. And so all of us go through them. It's just to what extent we go through them. You know, like he may experience that for five minutes a week. I experience that all day, every day, you know? So, but yeah, these are, this is part of the human experience. We all go through these things. So we need to be talking about them. People need to know, like for me, I think this was the biggest shock is when I was diagnosed with OCD and I'd been diagnosed years earlier with PTSD and panic attacks. And I was like, so how does this happen? And my doctor was like, you know, when you have anxiety and you don't do anything to make it better and it just spirals, well, that can lead to other more intense symptoms. You can, you can go from having just regular old anxiety, not taking care of it, and you're just living your life normally. And then 
boom, you have OCD. Um, so I, I don't think people realize, you know, you have to take care of yourself. If you notice that these things are going on, you need to get help. And whether that be medication or therapy or whether it be self-care, like for me, I primarily take care of myself at this point. I've tried everything else. This is what works for me. So I think people don't know. Talk about it. Learn I about a, it. I think you're exactly right. I think it's a very hard thing for people to accept that they're not um, able to do everything. I think limitations right. is like such a big challenge. And it was hard for me to, it's still sometimes hard for me to accept. Like I, I can't do what everyone else does necessarily. Yeah. I have migraine. I have, you know, anxiety disorder. Like I, that means I have to um, set some limits for myself. Yeah, of around course. what I can do, and um, and and knowing like there, I can still do a ton of stuff, and I can still push those limits, and like times change, and sometimes things are better, and um, there are a lot of inputs around that. But because I don't ever want to make it seem like it's limiting, like I like right. I am like setting up limits for myself, but but there is this like you can't right. think you can do everything, <laughs> right? Exactly. I definitely, I forever, I, I never set boundaries. I continue to associate with people who would seriously hurt me or cause me problems and people who, it was a pattern. They continued to do it. And one day I woke up and I was like, you know what? I don't have to do that. Like there's no written law that because this person is a family member or because I've known them since I was 14 or whatever the situation may be that I have to continue to put up with that. So I think that it's important that we set limits. It's important that we set boundaries knowing what we can handle. Um, like drinking, I can, I can drink a glass or two of wine. Fine. But if I get drunk, I'm going to wake up the next day, sweaty. No, I would be in pain for days. I'm in pain for like days. If that happens now. Yeah. Like I'm going to experience horrible anxiety for a week or two. I feel you. Maybe longer. So to me, I don't mind going and having a drink or two, but after that I'm done. Like, that's it. That's, that's my limit. And yeah. for me, that's healthy. So I think it's important that we all do that. So now I'm on the question, the final question of what is your latest win? But I actually think this is, as you said, yes, this is, this is a, you did it. You did yeah. it. Any final feelings after like having gone through the, the interview? I actually, you were right. I feel so much better. It was, it was excellent. And I feel like that's in part because of you. You were great at doing this. Like you keep the conversation going. Like, thank you No, it's easy. I I really, I feel like I could talk to you for a really long time about these topics. Like you, you and I definitely share a mindset about them. And I'm really, I'm really appreciative of that. And I really want to like snowball that. Like I'm interested in like, who are the other people, you know, and just keep joining together over time. Right. And I think that's important. I really do. Like one problem that I do have with the Instagram community is that we're all kind of closed in. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. That's where, that's where beautiful Voyager is really amazing. I get people from all over the world that are joining and like sharing. And it is great that we're all, all talking, but I feel like a lot of the people who need to see that, who need to hear that they're not always exposed to the right community or to the right person to hear it. So I'm hoping that more of us that talk about it 
eventually this information is going to get to the right set of ears. The person who needs to hear it is eventually going to hear it and it'll make a difference. I feel the same way. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being so brave. Oh, you're, you're (laughs) definitely welcome. (laughs)